This podcast is a part of the Newhoff Media Podcast Network. I, we've got our, our mechatronics program with, with uh, internships that we've never had before. We've got, so we've got people in building trades learning things, robotics going on. We've got a revamped welding program. We've got um, eSports in the middle of a tournament next week, not the week before. So they'll be running against universities and, and, and also Danville High School. So it's, it's still very much alive here. But one of the things I, I don't know if the community really understands is that, like when a new employer comes to town, they look for training opportunities for those employees, and the casino is one of those. And the college was able to put together a world-class casino training program for what will be 300, 400 employees out of the casino, and they're being trained on, on, uh, on East Main Street. Right now, we're being trained. They're all in our tech center. So they brought the casino people from Golden Nugget, brought in trainers. So they're doing the trainer. We're helping bring in people, and then we're learning how to train so that we can take over. As the first wave hits when, when it opens in April, we'll be able to train them ourselves and then just keep the pipeline going. Well, you like to say that the casino people and talking to them about their training procedures and how... How, how regulations are so involved in that, that there's camera systems that watch the training so that they make sure that the training is done appropriately and within compliance. And it's not just, hey, let's learn to do this. It has to be done right. Well, it's, for, for their professionals, yes, it, it's very prescribed uh, explicitly of what we do. But we'll also use this to help community people learn how to play cards and do things like that. So we're going to help community members learn how to play pie gal whatever else they're doing over there and here's what i've learned in the last five minutes and that is if i want to get you to act like you're on the 18th green at augusta we just need to invite 200 plus people into the bremer conference center and all of a sudden we're on the tower on 18 at augusta you know that's an interesting analogy isn't it mike i i just i'm not following your thread but I, i'm sure it's quite erudite well, Dr. Nacco, we certainly appreciate all that uh, you and the team have done to make tonight possible in terms of your staff and the students. And, and here in about one minute, we're going to be ready to go and begin our, uh, our uh, mayoral forum. And again, we think about our good friend Linda Bolton. And this, she would have been up on stage, but Bill Pickett is, is, is doing that role, as you mentioned. And again, we thank you very much on behalf of the community. Thank you, Mike. Break a leg. All right, we are going to go up on stage, and the moderator for this evening is the legendary newsman from Danville, Mr. Bill Pickett. Our conference center here at Danville Area Community College. Good evening, everyone, and we're on now. <laughs> Welcome to Danville Area Community College's Bremer Conference Center. I'm Bill Pickett, your moderator for tonight's program. Uh, it'll feature incumbent Mayor Ricky Williams Jr. and his challenger Jackie Vinson. Uh, this forum is being presented tonight by Newhoff Media Danville in cooperation with the Danville Commercial News and of course Danville Area Community College. I want to remind you and our candidates that uh, this is a forum, it's not a debate. Uh, citizens had a chance to submit questions earlier through vermilioncountyfirst.com 
many of those questions will be answered here tonight. Uh, we will not be taking questions from the floor tonight. For those of you who maybe don't know me, um, I'm a lifelong resident of the Danville and Westville area. Uh, I retired a couple of years ago from doing radio news, although I still play in a little bit doing some part-time stuff. Um, I was on the radio doing uh, news full-time in this area for over 50 years. And when I retired, one of the presents that was given to me at a party at the radio station, I should have brought it tonight, I should have wore it tonight, was a shirt that says, Bill Pickett for mayor or city manager on the back of it. <laughs> But I've decided that we have uh, two great candidates here tonight, so I'm, I'm staying out of this. <laughs> Besides our candidates, we have with us tonight Max Jones, who's the editor of the Commercial News, and Steve Brandy, the news director of Newhoff Media here in Danville. And those two gentlemen and myself will be rotating, asking the questions throughout the night tonight. We also have with us Mr. Ted Holvey, who is our official timekeeper tonight. Uh, trying to keep all this in line. Each candidate is going to have three minutes for opening and closing statements. They'll have two minutes to answer the questions. But if a candidate wants to use more than two minutes to answer a question, they can do that by continuing to answer that question after the next question is asked. The only problem with doing that is that it will subtract from their time of answering that question that's on the floor. So, but they can continue adding more information next time around if they want. Um, we've already flipped the coin, and the first with his opening statement tonight is Mr. Williams. Good evening, everyone. Wow, that is hot. I want to first thank Newhoff Media and Commercial News and everyone who's here in attendance and also those who are listening either by a, pot, by a live stream or on the radio. My senior year, our football team at DHS went undefe undefeated. We lost in the second round of the state playoffs to then the eventual state champions. However, we were more talented our junior year. What was the difference between those two seasons? Two things our motto, and our teamwork. We had, had something to help keep each other accountable, and that was actions speak louder than words. And we worked together to achieve our goals. I'm very proud to tell you that I have built a great team. Our own ordinance calls for $1.2 million in reserves. I immediately put in a non-emergent hiring, non-emergent spending freeze, and uh, by April of 2019, which is the end of our fiscal year, we had over $4.5 million in reserves just six months later. Fast forward to April of 2020, we had over $6 million in reserves. And fast forward again to April of 2021, we had $11.2 million in our general reserve. At that time, we put $1.2 million back in the reserve. We set aside $4 million to tear down Brzee Tower and other bad buildings downtown. We invested over $2 million additional dollars in our underfunded pensions. And then we put the rest into roads. And you all saw the fruit of that this last year. I'm very proud to tell you that we've also improved economically. Over the past four years, we've seen $250 million in economic development, bringing 600 new jobs. 
and we proudly stood by our local businesses during COVID-19. You saw a lot of the other communities struggle, and I think one of the reasons we did it is that my team and I and our, our local elected officials stood by our businesses and our families to do what was right for everyone. Over the past several of years, uh, we've completed over 40 per, road, word, uh, we've completed road work on over 40% of streets, we've improved over 32 miles of sewer, and we demolished over 300 dilapidated structures. That's compared to an average of over 20 or, to around 20 per year previously. We did all of this while making huge investments in Danville Stadium, Harrison Park, and other parks throughout the city of Danville. I'm also very pleased that we put together for the first time a multi-year budget. Mayor, that's your time. Thank you. Thank you. Next with her opening statement, Jackie Vinson, three minutes. Okay. Mr. Holby, you're ready? Right. My name is Jacqueline Elizabeth Vinson. I am one of the five children of Adam and Dr. Teresa Margansky. I'm the wife to Nick and the mother to Savannah and Marcus Vinson. I was born in Danville at United Samaritans Medical Center, raised in Rossville, and am a proud graduate of Shalarman High School. I attended the University of Illinois and studied environmental sciences with a focus on the human dimensions and urban planning. After graduation from Illinois, I moved to Durham, North Carolina where I worked as a long-range planning uh, intern for the city. And during my time in Durham, I felt like a spoke in a wheel that was already in motion. I wanted to return home to start a positive movement for the city of Danville. In an attempt to create a future for myself in Danville, I reached out to then Mayor Eisenhower. I introduced myself to him I described my background and my passions and asked if there were any opportunities with the city. In 2012, I began working for the city of Danville as an intern and eventually secured a full-time position as a planner working to develop city projects to move Danville forward. During my years working for Danville, I was able to see and encourage the importance of public participation in our local government. In each project we worked on, we prioritized gaining the voice of the people. And we used that voice and that feedback to direct the planning recommendations and the solutions we presented to the council. As director of the Vermilion Housing Authority, I have experienced cultivating relationships with a diverse spectrum of people. I understand the importance of a foundation of trust and clarity of expectations within those relationships. In my years of service for the residents of the Housing Authority, we have streamlined governmental operations, improved financial viability, and enhanced the quality of life for our families. We support a strong commitment to the future of housing in our community. My vision for Danville is along the same lines at that which I have led the Housing Authority. As mayor, I will prioritize putting our people first. Our citizens are hurting, our neighborhoods are struggling, and our image is suffering. But our future can be bright. Our opportunities are plentiful. If we prioritize governmental investments towards the betterment of our people, if we decrease the cost for our families to live here and our businesses to operate here, if we revitalize the strained relations with our community partners, 
We can change the course of the city together. To quote Jamie Lee Curtis at last night's Oscars, I know it looks like I'm standing here by myself, but I'm not. I am hundreds of people. Thank you, Mrs. Vincent. Your time's up. Our first question tonight comes from uh, Max Jones. The first answer will come from Mrs. Vincent. Thank you, Bill, and thank you to the candidates for participating in this important event. Jobs are the heartbeat of a community. One voter who submitted a question on this topic asks, the mayor has significant influence regarding economic development for the city and beyond. If elected, what would be your priorities for economic development and how would you implement those priorities? I believe it is the job of the mayor to facilitate opportunities for business expansion and growth. I believe we as a community here in Danville and our businesses are dealing with a problem of a labor shortage. That labor shortage is not unique to Danville. It is a national problem that we are experiencing as the boomers retire and the younger generation population numbers just aren't keeping pace. As mayor, I would facilitate and encourage strong relations with our economic development partners, with Vermilion Advantage, and the businesses that currently exist here in Danville. As mayor, I believe it is my duty to understand if our businesses are in growth mode or not, and what barriers exist to their growing. As an individual, I understand that workforce development is good for our city, it is good for our people. I grew up with the same adage that Danville didn't have any jobs. And if you've looked at Vermilion Advantage's job board recently, you know that that's simply not true. Danville has jobs that cannot be filled. Our businesses need our city to encourage workforce development opportunities. In Thank you, Mrs. Vinson. Uh, Mr. Williams, your response to that same question. Do you need the question repeated? No, sir. There are a couple of things that we have to do if we're going to make sure that we have the right folks to fill the right jobs in our community. Um, one of them, I think, is less obvious. People think, oh, we've got to do job training and such, and yes, that's absolutely true. However, one of the biggest things we have to do is make sure that this is a place that, can, that people want to live in. We have to be sure that the folks who live here want to stay, and we have to make this such a vibrant place that, that people, our, our students, our folks who serve in the military, our folks who go away for training want to come back and actually live here. And we do that by improving the quality of life for our folks. However, we do need additional um, job development and training as well. Specifically, one thing that we've been working with Vermilion Advantage on is community. The other thing that I would say is that it's really important uh, for us to work harder to get our youth involved. And specifically, um, I would like to connect them to the trades. Uh, our carpenters, our unions are struggling right now. And I don't know about you, I'm a pretty smart guy. I manage money pretty well. I work well with people, but I can't fix my car to save my life. If you asked me to weld something, I could not do it. So I think I would, I would love to see us partner more with the trades. And we have spoken to them about the possibility of creating junior um, trades associations so that, they could have, so that they could have training at an early age, starting hopefully as young as 15 years old. Thank you, Mr. Williams. Our next question is from Steve Brandy. Uh, the first one to answer this question will be you, Mayor Williams. 
All right, Bill, thank you very much. Candidates, thank you for being here and everybody attending tonight. This is wonderful. So many people that are here because they care and we thank all of you. As we all know, there could have been a third candidate in this mayoral election, Jacob Lane. When we asked for questions to be submitted to VermilionCountyFirst.com, many of his supporters contacted us and they all asked the same thing. They said, we're not sure we want to vote in this election. What can we in over $20 million in new grants? Anytime, for example, we can fix an intersection like we did at Jackson and Voorhees with grant money, then that means that I can spend the money that we receive from you on other things. So first, we have to make sure that we have someone that's competent, that complete, completes things in a proper and timely manner. The other thing that I would say to them is someone has to be the mayor. So I want you all to ask yourselves, do you want proven progress? Over the last couple of years, we've gone from a place where Danville was struggling, where our downtown was dying. We had nearly an 80% vacancy rate in downtown when I started. I think we're up or down to 25 or 30%. So what I would say is that over the last four years, we have shown that my team and I together have helped build a thriving community. And if they want that to continue, then I would encourage them to vote for someone who has shown them proven progress. Mrs. Vinson, that same question, do you need to question or repeat it? I do not. Okay. Our community needs help developing its vision for its future. We all deserve to be heard. We all deserve to be included. Our community's success depends on us working together. As mayor, I promise to discover the pulse of our community, a pulse that is not being met or understood presently. I see a Danville that is ripe with opportunity across the board, across socioeconomic status, opportunities for all people. As mayor, I promise to truly hear you, to let you be heard, and to value your contribution to the dialogue. Our community should embrace its people, its cultural diversity, and its historical significance. We should be a city that prioritizes our people and our businesses and makes their well-being at the forefront of every decision that we make. As mayor, I will work to ensure transparent operations in our government. I will instill the essence of public service to the daily operations of the city. And I will reestablish presently strained relationships with our community partners. Danville is at a pivotal juncture. Our next four years are essential to turning the ship towards a future of opportunity and prosperity. The single most important priority for me is to put our people first. We have a proven track record that if you work to serve the people, if you remember who you're working for, you can be successful, you can enhance their quality of life, and you can make a vision that makes sense for all of the people involved. That's what we'll do for the city of Danville. Thank you, Jackie. Our next question, downtown Danville appears to be thriving now, yet the village mayor and the team of the city to forecast those societal changes and how they'll impact our city. 
the mall, the theater, these are examples of a failure to forecast societal changes. During the pandemic, we learned that we can stream videos from the comforts of our couches, right? We can watch brand new videos from home. But as a community, we were surprised that the theater closed. As a community, we made the decision not to support the theater, to, to go from the comforts of our home. We cannot be surprised when those changes occur. The, the, shopping mall, the, the shopping mall or retail in general in Danville across the country to see how we can adaptively reuse the buildings that are going to be vacated in our community or provide opportunities for those businesses to change the way they operate and grow within our community. We need to have shopping centers. We need to have the ability for our families to buy essential goods and services. But we also have to understand that fundamentally, our society is changing the way we consume goods and services. Mr. Williams, same question. Uh, downtown Danville appears to be thriving now, but the Village Mall Shopping Center has been hurting for some time. What do you think the city can do to help the mall, if anything? Well, we've already done a couple of things. Uh, number one, we've had meetings with the Tavani Group, who owns the mall, to explore various options for infill and development in, in the facility. We've also worked with the uh, leasing manager, Cinnamon, on some various projects. I'm proud to tell you that the former Carson's will is currently being divided into three spaces. There's one larger space for which we already have a letter of intent, and the other two smaller spaces are in the works. Um, the other thing we have to do is make sure that we reach out to other entities that folks are interested in having in our community. Uh, for example, I have had some conversations with uh, entities like Elevate and Champaign, the, the trampoline park. We have tons of people that go there all the time for birthdays and celebrations and such. So why can't we have something like that in our community? Um, so I think it's, in, it's important that we make sure that we're creative and we explore all of our options. A third thing that we need in our community is additional office space. And I'm proud to tell you that downtown is quickly running out. So that means soon they're going to, folks are going to need other places in which to do their business. And so I would say that would be a third option for our community is to, uh, to carve out office space in the mall um, and possibly even look at placing some of our nonprofits there. Uh, that way we have synergy and cooperation. Thank you, Mayor. Our next question comes from Max Jones, the editor of the Commercial News, and the first to respond to this question will be Mayor Williams. Thank you, Bill. <clears throat> in recent years, Danville, like many other cities in Illinois and elsewhere, has been plagued by gun violence. In some cases, innocent people, even young people, have been victimized. If you are the city's next mayor, what kinds of leadership could or should you provide the community on this key public safety issue? Well, I'm proud to tell you that we've already shown a lot of support for our police and it's yielding re results in terms of decreased violence in our community. Um, when I took over, I'm embarrassed to tell you that no, we had officers getting out of their cars with yellow and orange marks on their vehicles because the foam was showing through. Uh, we had cars breaking down mid-pursuit in, term, in, uh, in terms of chasing criminals. We have replaced 26 out of 33 of our police cars and added six additional police cars. 
Uh, the other thing that we've done is a lot of places have talked about crazy things like de defunding police. Police are the backbone of our community and they often help those who are the most vulnerable. So we've increased our police force by hiring 13 additional police officers and we will be soon hiring three more thanks to the POP grant that Chief Yates and his team have put together for our community. Uh, that their salaries, most of their salaries and benefits will be paid uh, for by this grant. As we add these additional um, police officers, one of the things that we're going to be doing is adding a vice unit. Vice unit will be specifically focusing on violent crime in our community. I'm proud to tell you along the way in terms of supporting uh, public safety, we returned to having both a police and fire chief as I promised you, we restored our POP unit as I promised you, and we also created our community housing unit. This has yielded decreased in crime, 40% in aggravated batteries with a weapon, almost 70% in robberies, and 40% in murders, reduction in murders. So what we will do is continue to support our police and provide them all the support they need, but then also be proactive in continuing to build relationships with our people. Over the last several years, we've asked you to see something, say something, and you have done that. Now we need a little help from the state's attorney. Authority. Through my support of the staff that deals with the families that are most heavily impacted by gun violence. I stand in front of you tonight to say I fully support proactive policing. I fully support the knowledge of the police chief and the abilities of his staff. No matter how many individual police officers you put on the street, you will never erase crime. Crime is a symptom of larger issues that are impacting our community. Policing, that cannot be the only thing that we focus on as a community. We need to create and expand opportunities for our youth to have after-school activities and programmings to give them an option instead of getting involved with violent activity. We have to support and encourage mentorship opportunities within our community to show a child that has grown up in a lifestyle or in a family that has exposure to gun violence, that gun violence is not a solution. We have to encourage our families and our neighbors to get to know each other, to get to trust each other, to know each other, to get to trust each other, to experience more for themselves. And we as a community, we have to realize that we need to reach that tipping point that Danville is no longer a safe place to That's be. That's your time, Mrs. Vinson. Thank you. Steve Brandy has our next question and specific example. What can we do to bring back delivery and labor services to Danville after the recent closing at OSF? I believe that the city of Danville and Vermilion Advantage should be hand-in-hand hand working together to support economic opportunities across the board for Danville and our businesses and our families. As a mother, the lack of labor and delivery services in our community is unacceptable. As a community leader, I'm committed to bringing together to the same table the individuals who are responsible for providing labor and delivery services for our families. As a, as a community who should want to recruit families, young families, 
They look first to our education system. They look closely behind that to the quality of our housing and the amenities which we provide as a community. Having to drive 35 minutes to deliver your child safely is unacceptable. It's going to take one fatality on the side of I-74 before we as a community are crying out that this is a crisis. We have one pediatrician in Danville, one pediatrician across Christie Clinic, Carl Clinic, OSF. As mayor, I would immediately request the ability for all three medical providers and any medical provider providing obstetric services in Danville to come together to create a plan of action that isn't solely our young mothers having to travel to Champaign to have this service. We need to prepare short-term address addresses to the solution. Question. I take it back. It's back to me. No, no. Bill, no, it is uh, back. I, I, oh, it's the mayor. I'm sorry. I knew so, I was. I knew I was headed somewhere. My my arrow is pointed, but it's. Sorry, mayor. Yeah, I, I think I've I think I've done you know 50 or more interviews with Bill, and I don't think I've ever seen him this nervous in my life. Isn't it? Let's give it up for Bill. He's doing a great job, right? Thank you. So. What we have to do is we have to bring all the players to the table, and I'm proud to tell you that we've already done that. In fact, we had a meeting with, Co with Christy, with Carl, and, um, and with OSF to, to strategize with, with Christy, with Carl, and, um, and with OSF to, to strategize on what can we do to bring providers to this community. Um, Mrs. Mervis was actually a part of that meeting as well, um, and, and, and Mrs. Vinson. So um, we had not only the providers, but we had business leaders, community leaders uh, as well as the school district. And uh, one of the things we talked about are what are some different incentives that we can uh, bring to the community to help recruit folks. So one thing we talked about, for example, was a housing incentive. Uh, Chairman Larry Bond and I have talked privately about considering if we could offer any kind of housing incentive or forgiveness to recruit positions to the community. We also talked about if we're not able to use that, what are some other things we can do? Uh, for example, providing tax breaks for folks who would commit to living in this community for a certain time. Maybe we could decrease, uh, decrease the taxes of those who would be, coming, be willing to come and do labor and delivery for us. And in the meantime, though, we have to support other alternative method, methods. We have to support uh, our doulas. We have to support in-home uh, birth and delivery from those who can provide it safely until such time as we have a solution. But it's absolutely not acceptable for us to not be able to deliver babies here. Thank you, Mayor. Our next question was submitted through VermilionCountyFirst.com. Debbie wonders why the city sent so much of its COVID relief money to buy houses along Fairchild Street just so there is a better view of the Garfield Park pool. She asked, shouldn't that money have been spent to make improvements in other neighborhoods of Danville instead of forcing people out of their homes? Mayor Williams, you get to respond to this first. I love this question because it actually provides me an opportunity to provide factual information. First and foremost, I'm proud to tell you that we have not spent one dollar of your ARPA funds to purchase or tear down houses in that community. We've used an already dedicated source for demolitions and bright blight removals. So I want to make sure we clear that up. We have not used COVID funds to purchase homes in there. Second of all, I'm proud to tell you that we didn't, despite what you heard on WCIA, we did not force anyone out of their homes. 
Um, there were folks, you, you all know when you've done negotiations, if you're buying, you offer something low. If you're selling, you offer something high. And then what happens is folks meet somewhere in the middle. Well, I'm really proud to tell you that we've done that and no one was forced out of their home. In fact, the older lady who um, was featured on WCIA has told my city engineer multiple times that she loves where she's at. Her home was getting too big for her to take care of, and now she's able to live in an area where she doesn't have to do the maintenance. Uh, and so no one was forced out of their homes. We have not used ARPA money to buy the homes or demolish them. And uh, I think a lot of people, I've talked with another couple, and they were really actually very excited for the chance to move, and here's why. Unfortunately, because we've witnessed a decline in property values in our community, um, folks are not getting what they put into their homes. You know, my parents bought their, our house that we lived in for, you know, $35,000. And I think that they would be hard pressed to get $35,000 out of it today. Um, however, because we had to do appraisal, appraisals to purchase these properties, folks are sometimes getting at one and a half to two times what the value, actual value of their home is. So no one was forced out and they've actually been given opportunities to live in better places. Mrs. Vinson, do you need the question repeated? Please repeat the question. Okay, this was submitted through VermilionCountyFirst.com. Debbie wonders why the city spent so much of its COVID relief money to buy houses along Fairchild Street just so there's a better view of the Garfield Park pool. She asked, shouldn't that money have been spent to make improvements in other neighborhoods of Danville instead of forcing people out of their homes? I believe the ARPA money, the $24.6 million that the city of Danville received for COVID-19 pandemic relief should have been used to directly better the lives of the people who live in Danville and the businesses who operate in Danville. I believe that the people of Danville need relief, especially during this time of crisis we've experienced from the pandemic. $24 million. I, I went to the council meetings when they were discussing the use of this funding. And in one of those council meetings, I asked specifically, make that $24 million feel like $48 million. For every property owner, owner, for every business, for every homeowner in Danville, if you're going to put a new roof on your structure, if you're going to reside your structure, put new windows in your home, replace your driveway, if you're going to invest in the structure that you are living in or doing business in, the city should cost share. They should expand that, they should double that money and make the 24 million feel like $48 million. And at the next meeting, it came back that it was too administratively burdensome to do that. So instead, we, whether we paid with COVID money or not, we took people out of their homes, we removed some of the nicest houses on Fairchild Street because they back up to Garfield Park and with the intent of putting in. And the first to answer this one will be Jackie Vinson. Thanks, Bill. The David S. Palmer Arena is one of Danville's great community assets. Among its many functions through the years has been serving as home ice to a professional hockey team. Its most recent experience with hockey, however, did not go well, resulting in legal battles and the eventual ceasing of operations of the team in the middle of the season. Now, while the mayor is not directly responsible with, for arena operations, what leadership would you provide as mayor to get the arena back on track and bring hockey back to Danville for future seasons? 
I recognize the Civic Center as a key feature in our recreation and our sport culture here in Danville. I had the privilege to be at the Civic Center and see the impact on the 50 or so youth that were participating in the Danville Youth Hockey Jamboree this weekend here in Danville, bringing families from Springfield, from Pekin, from Decatur in to witness Danville, to see what Danville has to offer. As mayor, you have the responsibility to make board appointments to several agencies throughout Vermilion County in Danville. But the Civic Center is one of those entities where the board makes appointments. I believe it is the mayor's fundamental responsibility to those agencies to find individuals who will represent our community's best interest, who understand the importance of being a committed board member and the value that they are providing to the agency in providing governance and policy and direction to its daily administrator. I believe that the, the mayor's job is not to get involved in the day-to-day, -day. that's why they have a director, but it's to support and encourage the enhancement of services that the Civic Center or the Housing Authority or the airport can provide and the importance of being good financial stewards on that board. Mayor Williams, same question. Do you need a question repeated? I do not, thank you. Um, Ms. Vincent is correct in that the mayor appoints a portion of the board. We actually appoint nine out of the 12 members. Um, I'm proud to tell you that I finally have a majority of my appointees on the board. For the first several years, uh, they were folks who were appointed by my predecessor. Um, they have struggled, absolutely, um, but I'm proud to tell you that we finally have the right mix of people with fiscal and uh, building management and operations management in terms of putting on events that are, are doing a terrific job and heading us in the right direction. And they are on the verge of hiring a director, which I think makes all the difference. So um, I'm proud to finally have a majority of the board. The thing is the board has learned you cannot stay in a rut. If you make mistakes, you have to live and learn. They made mistakes prior to me being the mayor when they brought the dashers in and the dashers left owing tens of thousands of dollars. They didn't have insurance for their players. Um, and there are some young men who have thousands of dollars in medical bills to this day because they were injured playing hockey in our arena. Um, they, their buses often broke down en route. So I think what our board tried to do was find someone that they thought could run things a little bit more professionally. And unfortunately, once again, they, they found the wrong fit. One of the things that we're doing now is working on an RFP, working with them on an RFP process so that they can better, they can have criteria in place to better select a team so that we don't get stuck with someone who either won't pay the bills and won't keep their employees safe or who is only working on their own self-interest and not the best interest of the community. So we've got we've to make sure we have a strong board and that the city supports them. Thank you, Mayor. Our next question comes from Steve Brandy. The first person responding will be Mayor Williams. Inevitably, we have to talk about the big tower in the room, Breezy Tower. <laughs> Mr. Mayor, can you give us an update on the legal battle to tear down Breezy Tower, your plans, and let's talk logistics. Once it is torn down, assuming it is, how do we keep everybody safe? How do we handle traffic? Ideas for what will be there next? 
And Mrs. Vincent, when it's your turn, would you continue on the same route? And what do you think should happen as far as what is it Breezy Tower now and what should happen in the future? Thank you. So if you haven't driven by the new Carl, if you've driven by the new Carl development, then you've seen my house. It's that big green Victorian uh, with the wraparound porch and the turret. That's a fancy word for like a castle-like structure. I didn't know that until I owned the house personally. Um, so I think folks can see from my home that I actually love history and I love cool old architecture. And I wanted more than anything to be able to be the mayor that saved Brazil Tower. But unfortunately, after a lot of effort, 2021 to having $11.2 million in our reserves, we set aside $4 million to demolish this structure and any others that we might have to demolish downtown if there's money left. The good news is, in part, I've worked in partnership with Chairman Bond and the building committee from the county board. They will be tearing down the courthouse annex at the same time, which will actually save us both a ton of money. When, whenever we're saved money, it saves you, the taxpayers, money for us to be able to do that together. Um, it will be demolished in phases. From what I understand, we will have some street closures, but no, we won't even be moving City Hall. There may be a day or two when we have to move it, uh, but long story short, we are fighting. We believe that by the summer, we'll have permission to finally and fully demolish it. And when we do, we will be looking for a great opportunity for someone to reinvest in Danville and the space that remains. Thank you, Mayor. Mrs. Vinson, you need the question repeated? I don't. I believe it is our responsibility as elected officials to ensure that we are exhausting all possibilities when it comes to historic preservation and the retention of historically significant pieces of our community. I listened to the Historic Preservation Committee meeting where the committee decided to suggest the council create a request for proposals points the focus of discussion. I believe that we are here and we should be here to represent what is in the best interest of the people. I have not been in Brizzy Tower for a number of years. I cannot tell you that it needs to be demolished or it doesn't. But I do believe that we owe it to ourselves and the committees that are already designed to operate within our community to listen to the, the recommendations of those individuals on those committees. And when a recommendation is made and it doesn't align with what you personally believe, you thank the committee for their recommendation and you move forward with their recommendation. Or what point are they serving by being your historic preservation committee? Thank you, Mrs. Vinson. This question was submitted earlier by Chuck, one of our listeners, who says that in November of 2018, the Danville City Council unanimously approved a resolution naming the Public Works Building on Voorhees Street the Scott Eisenhower Municipal Building North. Yet more than four years later, there are no signs on the outside of the building honoring the former four-term mayor. If elected or re-elected, will you see that Mayor Eisenhower is honored like other mayors have been honored with the David S. Palmer Arena and the Robert E. Jones Municipal Building? The first to answer this is Mrs. Vinson. I think that it's very important that our city buildings have adequate signage so people know where they're going. I, Mayor Eisenhower served the city of Danville for 16 years. There's no questioning that he loved the city of Danville, he loves the city of Danville, and he still actively works to encourage 
the city of Danville and opportunities for the city of Danville. If the city council decided to name the facility the Scott Eisenhower Municipal Building, then the city has a sign shop or we have Hall of Fame signs here. We have great community partners that can make a sign for us to get the appropriate name up on this building. Mayor, Mayor Williams. I actually agree with uh, Mrs. Benson on this one. Um, what I can tell you is that Steve Lane, our recently retired director of uh, Parks and Public Property, actually had a sign made several years ago and then bam, a worldwide pandemic um, in which we couldn't have people in our facilities for almost a year. So that's what initially stalled it. The second time that we were to do it, um, Mr. Harry Eisenhower, mayor's father, was sick and hospitalized. So we worked to reschedule once again. It's very important to me. Um, you know, you see my parents here, and I'm sure Jackie's parents are here as well. Um, it's important that we honor that heritage when someone sacrifices so much. Well, I think one thing that's important to remember is that if you want people to participate, then they need to be invited to the table, as Jackie said earlier. So I think it's important to make sure that everyone is invited if you, if you actually want them to participate. Second, what I would tell you is um, this came forward recently uh, under the premise of this one gentleman who had been allegedly stopped nine times. Upon reflection and, and uh, looking at the the uh, camera and the LED, the um, LERM system that we have, it was discovered that this gentleman was only actually stopped three times and he was driving on a revoked driving permit. Um, so I think unfortunately someone was used to further an agenda um, and, and I don't think that that's ever a good idea. However, um, as a biracial man, um, I know that there are issues nationally sometimes with issues of, of folks being disproportionately stopped. I do not believe we have that problem in our community. Um, from what I can see, uh, Chief Yates and his team stop folks based on violations, not their, not their race. Um, we actually are participating and have for years by state requirement in a, um, in a study, an ongoing study that shows how many traffic stops there are by race. And I believe that um, are uh, the stops by African-Americans compared to um, Caucasians and other individuals was not extremely disproportionate. It certainly wasn't two times or more. So I'm not sure that there are those. However, Chief and I are looking to see if there be reviewed or changes made. Why or why not? Thank you. I believe it is the aim of a for former alderman to continue to highlight pretextual traffic stops. The data about traffic stops already has to be submitted to the state of Illinois. So I don't believe there should be any problem in taking time to review the data to better understand what we were actually dealing with as a community. Through my work at the Housing Authority, I have cultivated strong relationships with our law enforcement professionals. And I can assure you that our chief of police and our police department continuously work to ensure public safety remains for all people in Danville. Thank you, Jackie. Our next question. You already got okay, it's back. All right, that's back to my book. Um, our next question comes from Steve Brandy. The first person responding to this one will be Jackie Vinson. Okay, thank you, Bill. Let's talk a couple of aesthetic concerns here in Danville. One minor, one major. 
the minor one with all the great things happening in downtown Danville, we still have a time and temperature clock sitting there doing nothing. It doesn't look right. It needs to be alive. Can we work with Vermilion Advantage? What can we do to take it down or change the facade? It's great that it's the old commercial news building, brings back history. Can we get it working? Can we do something? Now, the major aesthetic concern, the northeast corner of Vermilion and Fairchild. That is not a good site. That is a prime corner. I understand it's a major cleanup job. I understand it's complex. But what can we do as far as working with a developer, Vermilion Advantage, and all the funding needed to get that cleanup done and put that corner to work? Steve, I feel like we had the conversation about the time and temperature clock at the commercial news in the past. If, if not, there's somebody else who feels very strongly about that uh, returning to operation. Um, the northeast corner of Fairchild and Vermilion is the gas station that's right next to the Royal Donut. Okay. I believe this is a brownfield. I believe that the city, from what I have read about it and seen recently, um, the city has been working to remediate the environmental contamination issues that exist on this site. I believe that the corner of Vermilion and Fairchild is an essential corridor in the heart of our community. It brings visitors to our public high school, uh, which hosts a lot of things like the Midwest, Midwest Classic and sporting events and cultural and art and theater. And it really impacts the user's experience when they're visiting Danville. I think any attempt to remediate environmental hazards needs to be made, it needs to be supported, and it needs to be understood by our community that there are state and federal resources available to help clean up these contaminated sites. I think if we look on a, a bigger picture at opportunities that exist to remediate environmental hazards, we would see that through the heart of our city, along the rail corridor in our neighborhoods, we have a large amount of environmental hazards that need to be addressed for the health of our neighborhoods, the health of the people that live in those neighborhoods, and for the potential for new business opportunities to return to the heart of our city and um, relocate on a, an essential service like the rail lines we have here in Danville. Thank you, Jackie. Uh, Mr. What could so we can get ideas for what could possibly go there? Um, with uh, Mrs. Vincent is correct about the brownfield site. Uh, we have entered that into a brownfield program. But what I'll tell you is that building sat empty for years, and all the while it was leaking gas into the ground. I'm really proud to tell you that we called the state fire marshal to get immediate intervention. We got those tanks red tag, which red tag means that they put it at the top of their priority list so that this this problem could be addressed because it's affecting not only that corner but other development in our community. Uh, we were all set to go with something on the southeast corner of the intersection um, where uh, the old bank was that someone ran into not long ago. And um, first, first phase of environmentals came back, everything was clear. Second phase came back, there was gasoline, chloroform, and other substances, some of which had leached from the gas station across the street, across the road. So we have to get that cleaned up. Um, I'm also proud to tell you that uh, we have partnered with Representative Robin Kelly. We've met with her representatives in person 
to uh, get support for our new Brownfield grant application. And Congresswoman Kelly has written us a letter of support, and she is also working with her colleagues uh, in DC to bring that through, uh, through the committee. I am pleased to tell you, though, however, that if things continue to go well, that I will be able to make an announcement about the northwest corner of that site very soon. Thank you, Mayor. Uh, this question is from Philip. It was submitted through vermilioncountyfirst.com. He says, the population of Danville keeps deteriorating. Uh, what will you do to stop people from moving out and assure Danville's growth? And the first person to respond to that one is Mayor Williams. Very good, I'm glad that, glad that you asked that. Uh, again, a couple of things that we have to do uh, in order to make that happen. Number one, we have to make sure that we focus on our infrastructure. We have to have good quality roads and sewer systems if we want people to live in the community, in the city of Danville. I'm proud to tell you that this administration has made some hard but not popular choices regarding our sewer fees in this last year uh, just to, to make that possible because we have sewers that are more than, some that are more than two times as old as me in this community and they're collapsing all the time. And guess what? Whenever we can do pre preventive maintenance, it costs us one-tenth the cost of having to replace it, and it costs us one-twentieth of the, the cost of having to replace it in an emergency situation. So number one, we've got to make sure we continue to improve our infrastructure, and we've done that. Over Relations Administrator and her team have done a tremendous job. Again, the importance of teamwork and having the right people on your team. We thought that maybe if we did well, we would get a thousand people downtown. Y'all, on the small days, we're a thousand people. Usually, we're more like 3,000 or 4,000. So we have to improve our infrastructure, we have to improve our quality of life, and we have to continue to make this safer by supporting our police and also supporting our families. Mrs. Vinson, do you need that question repeated? I do. Okay. Thank you. Our population has declined for the last two decades. We must, as we must, as a city, commit to understanding why people are leaving. We look differently as an individual who had left and had the ability to return. Danville is full of opportunity. Danville is full of great people with great ideas, and we as a city need to support our entrepreneurs, we need to support our businesses, and we need to support our people in investing in our buildings and our homes to make sure we remain a community of choice. Thank you, Mrs. Vincent. Our next question comes from our panelist, Max Jones, from the Commercial News. The first to answer this one will be Mrs. Vincent. Thank you, Bill. <clears throat> this is another of our submitted questions. As you've noticed, we've had a lot of really good ones this evening, so we want to give our uh, voters, our citizens, every opportunity to ask what's on their mind. This voter asks, how do you feel about transportation options available to Danville residents? Can all of our residents affordably get to where they need to go? If not, what would you propose to improve transportation options in the city? I think our transportation options are, are going to, we're going to see changes in the options we're offering as a community here in the next few years. And part of that's due to population decline. Danville is a community that's built for the automobile, and if you're not an individual that has an automobile or can afford an automobile, your transportation limited options are limited. 
Because of the decrease in the population, Danville is losing its metropolitan status, which includes funding for mass transit. The impact to mass transit hasn't been something that I've been fully pro um, provided at this point in time, but we as a community need to anticipate that the 650,000 annual rides that Danville Mass Transit is providing is going to shrink because the funding is going to shrink. And so I think from a community perspective, we need to prioritize multimodal transportation opportunities. We need to make sure we are connecting our neighborhoods to our places of employment and our places of education. And we need to provide opportunities for people to have quality of life transportation like biking and walking as well throughout and across our community. Mr. Williams, your response to that same question. Sure. So the good news is we will be losing some fund funding for Danville Mass Transit, not all of it. Uh, you'll be proud to know that myself, our city engineer, our director of transit, Lisa Beeth, have been having a series of meetings with IDOT, the Illinois Department of Transportation, as well as some outside consultants to prepare for this change that our community will face. Essentially what we'll likely be looking at is a small reduction in the number of fixed routes throughout the community. However, we have done a study so that we can prioritize where people are going from and where they're going to so that we can make sure that we continue to support those routes uh, throughout our community. I think we also have to continue to increase our multimodal paths, and that's one of the things that we've done with our West Side Trails plans, is how can we connect people that live in various areas of town to the center of town so that they can go to our transfer zone and then connect to other employment opportunities from the actual bus station itself. So I think we have to, one, make sure that we shore up our support for Danville Mass Transit. Number two, we have to make sure that we have we improve and continue to work on multimodal and shared use paths. That way it's easier for people to go to the places that they need to be, need to get to. Thank you, Mayor. Next question comes from Steve Brandy to be answered first by Mayor Williams. All right, thank you, Bill. Let's talk about schools. Although District 118 is not actively campaigning for it, they would benefit from it. So I'd like to know what is your opinion on the 1% countywide sales tax on the April 4th ballot that would go to all the schools? And then beyond that, ideas for, in general, relations with District 118 that you'd like to work on? I absolutely oppose the sales tax increase for several reasons. Uh, number one, if the sales tax is increased, that would make us one of the highest sales tax payers in the state of Illinois. I think we would be second only by uh, a community in the Chicago area. We do not want to drive business away from our community. And 1% doesn't seem like a lot, but when folks are already struggling, it adds up quickly. So uh, number one, it would make our tax rate too high. Uh, number two, I feel like the communities that provide the services to the students should fund them. So I don't think it's fair for taxpayers in Danville, Illinois, to have to afford uh, to pay for additional construction of a school, let's say in Oakwood. I don't think that it's fair for the people of Hoopston to have to pay for an addition that's going on in Catlin. I think that if the folks in those communities need, feel that they need additional services, then what they've got to do is find a way locally to provide it. For example, by raising their own taxes. Third, I believe, we're, I believe we're being sold a falsehood. 
You've heard many times these superintendents say, oh, if we, if we implement this sales tax, then everyone is going to pay the sales tax and, and set up just the property tax owners. And guess what? We're going to reduce your property taxes. Uh, let me tell you, we've all heard that line before, and quite frankly, I don't believe it. If they had voted and already to approve that, that they would reduce their ta the pro our property taxes by a commiserate amount, then I could possibly consider supporting it. But because they have not done so, I do not support it. I also think that we're going to have to look as we go forward in this community shrink at more co-ops, collaborations, and possibly some school districts merging. And unfortunately, uh, a 1% sales tax increase just prolongs those conversations. Mrs. Vinson, your response to the same question. I am opposed to the 1% sales tax increase. I am very concerned of the impacts of said increase on our businesses and our families here in Danville. As an advocate for education, I understand why it is being proposed. And I support strong, functioning schools throughout Vermilion County. However, the reality for Danville is that the city already has utilized sales tax increases as a way to offset costs, leaving us with a presently high sales tax rate. We have to keep Danville competitive. We have to keep Danville friendly to the families and businesses who are here. While I understand that there is a considerable need for infrastructure upgrades at our schools, I am afraid a 1% increase in the sales tax would be detrimental to our businesses and our families. Thank you. Our next question, adults will soon have a casino in Danville where they can go to have fun, but teenagers have very few options for fun, especially with the recent closing of Danville's only theater at the Village Mall. Would you favor taking some of the income that the city receives from the casino to develop new recreational programs for teenagers and young adults? And what are your specific ideas for such programs, if you have any? The first person answering this one is Jackie Vinson. I have had a unique experience uh, working with youth in our community in my role at the Housing Authority. And one particular aspect I want to share with you is when I first started, we had recently created a laundry room for the families at Fair Oaks. And we have cameras in the laundry room that showed one day some young boys, 10, 11, 12, took the fire extinguisher off the wall and sprayed it on everything in the laundromat, uh, making it unable to be used and causing significant damage to the facility. And we made a decision at that point in time to, and Monty's nodding, you remember this, to call the families in to say that we were committed at the Housing Authority to handling these circumstances differently and hold our families accountable. So we had those boys punch a clock to work off the amount of damage they had caused in our facility. And the results of that astounded me. They loved being with us. They loved coming to work in the morning. They loved having something to do. I think that mentality needs to be spread across our community, where youth need to have access to opportunities, opportunities that they might not have access to inside the walls of their own home or from their own parents. We need to, we need to provide opportunities, and certainly the city should be a partner in creating opportunities for mentor, mentorship and after-school programming to ensure that our youth have opportunities and access 
to experience life differently. Mr. Williams, same question. Would you favor taking some of the revenues that the city is receiving from the casino to develop recreational programs for teens and young adults? And if so, them people who are long gone, I do not want to pass that debt down to our children and grandchildren in this community. I also don't want us to continue to have to pay a fee forever for the mistakes of the past. So that's why we're going to prioritize using casino money first and foremost to pay down our underfunded pensions. Just look at what uh, an extra million dollars a year from the cannabis money has done so far. Everyone asks, where did the cannabis money go? Every bit of it goes towards extra pension payments so that we can secure that underfunded obligation. However, however, the other 10% that we have, I absolutely think that we should explore putting into youth programs. Specifically, the things that we've talked about is providing, uh, one, professional internship opportunities for our students at every level. Uh, not just in the, not just for example, as we have them now in legal and in community relations, but out in public works. As Jackie said, getting our young people out there in the streets, out there in the parks, working and learning skills. So absolutely, we, will, we support that, but our public safety pensions must come first. And then after that, I would support additional programming with those funds. Thank you, Mayor. And our next question comes from uh, Max Jones, editor of the Commercial News. And the first person uh, answering his question will be Mayor Williams. Well, looks like we're coming down the home stretch, so. <laughs> I think I've drank almost two liters of water, so that's a good thing. <laughs> well, if we can all step back a minute and kind of look down the road. And if you could share with us, what is your long-term vision for Danville? How do you expect this city will look 10 years from now? If we do not take care of the money that you give us, we cannot provide the services, we cannot provide the infrastructure or anything else that you need as a community. So number one, uh, we are going to work to continue to be strong stewards of your money. Um, I think a big thing that we've got to do is bring recycling back to our community. Some years... I am proud to tell you that our operations manager has reached out to various recycling entities about that possibility and we're exploring everything from a drop-off site to curbside delivery. However, what we're going to need to do is see if you're willing to pay for it. Folks were not willing in the past, but I think it's something that we have to consider for the investment of our Things like our partnership with the Vermilion County Trail Alliance, who are developing 18 miles of trails, trails on the west side of Harrison Park. If we work on bringing, uh, of connecting our riverfront to uh, the Kickapoo Rail Trail, and if we make this... What is your long-term vision for Danville? How do you expect the city will look 10 years from now? I hope that Danville can create a vision uh, for its future that includes all of the voices that are within our community. I think that we all deserve to be heard, to be understood, and to be represented, to be included even if we don't agree 100% uh, on the same topics. I think that Danville's future is ripe with opportunity. I think we need to enhance our natural resources and our people as our greatest strengths. I think Danville as a community needs to invest in its neighborhoods. We need to invest in our infrastructure and we need to provide opportunities to grow and expand upon industry that's currently 
currently here. It's the people primarily are the number one asset. But we also are, have rich natural resources, which is why Danville was initially settled to begin with. Danville's future is bright, but it will take all of us coming together and being heard and trusting each other and working together towards a common goal to get that accomplished. Thank you, Mrs. Vinson. Uh, Steve Brandy, you're up with the next question, and uh, the first person to respond this time will be Mrs. Vinson. Thank you. One of the questions sent in to us was, what are you going to do for the east side of Danville? And three specific things were mentioned. Number one, fiber optic internet. Number two, increased street lighting. Number three, increased elimination of dilapidated housing. You know, I had the opportunity uh, during my time working for the city of Danville to work on a plan that was called the East Main Street Corridor Study. And through that study, I had the opportunity to learn a great deal of this historical significance of the East End of Danville. I had the opportunity to meet people who are from the East End of Danville, who are proudly from the East End of Danville, and to create a vision for the East End of Danville that returns that pride to our community. You, lighting has been an issue that has been brought up as I've gone on this campaign trail, that there is adequate lighting in certain areas while insufficient lighting in others. And what we need to do is, is part of this planning process is looking at our neighborhoods to decide what are we providing in terms of safety and security measures outside of police presence that makes our families and our visitors feel safe. Lighting is included in that. Demolition, we, we will never demolish our way out of blight. We're chasing our tail doing that and we've been chasing our tail for the last decade. What Danville needs is a vision for its future. We've already done the plan. It was, it was done in conjunction with 21 stakeholders, the school district, businesses, neighborhood associations. We need to rely on that plan. We need to commit to the future of that area instead of putting the plan on a shelf, never intending to use it again. The east end of Danville is significant to this community. We need to make strategic investments to make sure we are prioritizing our secondary education in this community college and our largest employer in the VA. We need to make sure we are providing quality neighborhoods and adequate infrastructure to the families that live out here and the people who travel here. Mr. Williams. Sorry, more water, Bill. Well, it, I think it's in, interesting that uh, Jackie brings up the East Main Street plan. One of, the, one of the things that it calls for on the East Main Street plan is for the elimination of bad housing, particularly along the main corridors of William Street and Main Street. I don't know if you all have noticed, but we've been aggressively picking up every house that we can off of the Vermilion County trustee sale to tear down those dilapidated houses. Because when we get rid of blight, then it allows room for new development to come in. So we are going to continue doing that. I'm proud to tell you that my team and I have met with Represent Representative Robin Kelly about entitlements. Our, uh, we are going to be working, one of our main priorities is a request for $2 million of grant money to continue the elimination of, of people who are committing crimes coming in and out of those abandoned buildings. So I say if we're going to work for the people on the east end of town, we've got to continue to help them in one of the things they want most, and that's to get rid of that bad house next door. By the way, we've got a great four-minute YouTube video on that. It's called The Eyesore Next Door. Check it out. 
Um, as far as fiber optic, there are many grant options that we need to continue to explore to expand uh, that for all, not just the east side, but for the entire community. Um, in terms of lighting, uh, I'm really proud to tell you that we've worked with Amarine. I don't know if you guys have noticed that they've replaced a lot of our street lights through the community with LEDs. Guess what? That saves us thousands of dollars every month. That saves you thousands of dollars of every month. And when we save money like that, that allows us to have money to operate, to invest in other things. And certainly, if there are areas of town that need additional lights, we could consider using some of the money that we've saved you through our municipal electrical ag aggregation program and through the transition That's your from... your time, Mayor. Thank you. We can get her done. <laughs> it's... Uh... Kind of funny that you guys were talking about the east side of Danville with that question because this one talks about the west side. Uh, Vermilion Advantage says that we are running out of land for development on the city's east side. So would you support business or possible industrial development in the area of Interstate 74 and U.S. Route 150 on Danville's west side? Um, Mayor Williams, you get this one first. Okay, here's the deal, y'all. I want it in Danville. If, if a mayor doesn't want it in his or her town, then they ought to be fired. You ought to hire somebody else. However, at the same time, if it cannot be in Danville, then I absolutely would much rather have it in unincorporated Danville or Tilton or Hoopston or Westfield or Georgetown or anywhere in Vermilion County than in North Carolina or Texas or, God forbid, overseas in Mexico or China. So... Absolutely, I support this expansion. Obviously, I would very much prefer that development happen in the city core itself. However, we have to make uh, the best use that we can of our interstate access, and I think that would allow us to do so. Here's the other thing that we have to remember, y'all. GM was not in Danville. General Motors was in Tilton. General Motors was in Tilton. And when they left, and when General Electric left, and most of Heister Yale closed, we lost over 7,000 people. Guess what? Most of those people lived here in the city of Danville, and they helped take care of the infrastructure that we have. They helped take care of our miles and piles of roads, our miles and miles of sewer, our miles and miles of storm sewer. And if we can get something that's that close, the people will live here in Danville, and that will help us in a host of ways. So absolutely, I support it. Mrs. Vinson, uh, what are your thoughts on possible business or industrial development in the area of Interstate 74 and U.S. Route 150 west of Danville? I have very similar feelings. I believe that Vermilion Advantage's job is to promote economic opportunities for all of Vermilion County. I think what we need to do as the city of Danville is support and encourage development because what's good for Vermilion County is good for Danville and vice versa. The intent of Vermilion Advantage is not to be the economic driver for only Danville. It is, it is designed and is intended and is funded to go out and promote economic development opportunities for all of Vermilion County. The Westgate area that's being recognized in this question is prime for economic expansion. Of course, we want to see it here in Danville. We want to realize the revenue and potential revenue impacts of any type of development. 
but the, the MLK interchange is a main entrance into our community. And if we are not considering that impact and the, the visitor experience when people get off of I-74 coming from Champaign-Urbana to visit Danville, we need to be looking at that area as prime and integral for our community, for the families that live there and the people that come in our, into our community to visit. And so is it, if, if I'm supporting housing, if I'm supporting economic expansion, of course, Danville is behind what is good for all of us here in Vermilion County. Thank you, Mrs. Benson. We're almost out of time, but uh, for our next question, we go back to uh, Max Jones from the Commercial News. First person answering this one will be Jackie Benson. Thanks, Bill. Mayors have a duty to represent all the people in their communities. Part of that is keeping an open line of communication with the citizens. What would be your primary methods of staying in touch with the citizens so that you could always be able to listen to their concerns? As mayor, I will work to ensure transparent government operations. Um, but I really believe the mayor's connection to the citizens is through the aldermen. The two aldermen from each ward are elected by their constituents to represent their ward, to represent their concerns and their issues. I am a boots on the ground individual. I have not run the housing authority from up behind a desk. When we have a water main break or a sewer backup or a lighting issue or a fire or an accident, I am there to see how our people are being impacted. And I see that continuing to the city of Danville. I want to encourage the aldermen of the city of Danville to have active ward meetings with their constituents, to bring the concerns of their constituents back so that the council can hear those, that the city staff and the mayor are knowledgeable about those, and so the people's voices are being represented by their aldermen and people in Danville, and what's better for those people, uh, for us as a community as a whole. Mayor Williams, your response to Max's question, do you need the question repeated? No, sir. Max, you asked us how do we plan to stay in touch with all the citizens, and I'll tell you, it's pretty simple. The main, the main way we stay in touch with our citizens is to go and meet them where they are. Whether it be an event at the Fisher Theater or at a church on the east side of town, whether it be a basketball tournament at Garfield Park, whether it be Danville's Got Talent or one of our main events downtown, I think you have to go where the people are. You have to get to know them. You have to let them get to know you. And one thing that I'm very proud of is that I attend as many a community events as I, can, as I possibly can. I mean, you all have seen me, not just at galas, not just at certain functions, you've seen but One time one of my constituents called me and she had a tree in her road. Uh, I, I was really shocked at that and, and I was surprised. And guess what? I went out there to look at that tree in the road with her and guess what? I was able to get the tree moved out of the, uh, the road personally. I didn't wait to call Public Works. I didn't bother my guys. I literally did it myself. So the way that we get to know our people is by being in the trenches with them and doing life with them together. And I'm very proud to tell you that I've done that. And I will continue to do that because I'm a mayor for the people of the people and by the people. Thank you, Mayor. Well, folks, that uh, concludes our questions of the candidates. Again, we want to thank everybody who submitted questions through vermilioncountyfirst.com or 
just through questions of me when I was out on the street or of these other guys. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. Um, now each of the candidates has three minutes for any final comments and since Mr. Williams gave our first opening statement, our first closing statement will come from Jackie Vinson. As mayor, I will work to ensure transparent government operations for us. I will instill the essence of public service in our city's daily operations, and I will reestablish presently strained relationships with our essential community partners. Transparent government does not mean doing the bare minimum of what the state requires in having open public meetings. Transparent government means our people see the vision we are working towards, that they have been involved in the development of that vision. Danville is at a pivotal juncture. Our next four years are essential to turning the ship towards a future of opportunity and prosperity for all people in Danville. The single most important priority for me is to put our people first. In the last four years, it has cost us more to live and do business in Danville. And I'm not talking about the price of eggs. The health of our businesses and our citizenry need to be at the forefront of each decision that we make as your elected officials here in Danville. I'm running for mayor because the people of Danville deserve to be heard. They deserve to be included. I'm running for our children, for our elderly, for our businesses. I am running to be your voice and your representative. I am the best choice for the future of Danville, and I ask for your vote on April 4th. Thank you, Mrs. Vinson. And now, Mayor Williams, your closing comments. Just like to add quickly that all there, though there, there's been inflation and such. Um, and as I said earlier, we proudly, um, but regret, you know, but made the tough decision to, to increase your sewer fees for the quality of life for you here in Danville. But one area that is cheaper is your property taxes. At least your city of Danville portion has gone down. They were 226 when I took over, and now they're 221. So I appreciate the alderman for standing by me in that. Um, what, I need you to, what I need to tell you today is that four years ago, I promised you some things. I promise you strong stewardship. I promise you economic expansion. I promise you improved infrastructure. And I promise you safer streets. And guess what? I've brought a team on board that's incredible, that doesn't see this as a job or even as uh, some kind of career. This is their service. They work 50, 60, sometimes 70 hours a week every week to make life better for each and every one of you. You know, a few years ago, I also told you that this was personal for me because it wasn't that I was just doing it for me or those of us who lived here, but for my family. My, my, my brother-in-law retired after 21 years in the military service, and they could have chosen to make anywhere home. My sister told me, in fact, that they probably weren't coming back to Danville. But I am proud to tell you over the last four years, we fought so hard to make this a place that not only we're proud of, but they have chosen to make it their home. Their kids go to Northeast. We have built a great team. We have delivered on our promises. And if we are elected, if you reelect me, you can expect more of the same. A vote for me between now and April 4th is a vote for proven progress that will propel us into a prosperous future. If we work together to continue the momentum that we've built the last couple of years, 
Danville will undoubtedly become one of the best places in the Midwest to live, work, invest, and play. I thank you for your consideration and your support, and I'll continue working hard every day to earn and keep it. Thank you, Mayor, and thank you to both of our candidates tonight for being with us. Again, uh, also thanks to our other panelists, uh, Max Jones, editor of the Commercial News, Steve Brandy, the news director of Newhoff Media, our timekeeper down here, Mr. Holvey, has been keeping me in line, trying to keep me in line all night long. Um, and of course, uh, thanks to our listeners and viewers. But before you get out of here, a reminder to please get out to the college next week as DACC will be hosting the 30th NJCAA Division II Men's National Basketball Tournament right here at DAC. And uh, please, everybody, get out and vote if you haven't already. Early voting is already underway. Uh, this forum has been a presentation of Newhoff Media along with the Commercial News with the support of community college. We appreciate them letting us use their facility here. And uh, have a good evening, everyone. I'm Bill Pickett. You've been listening to the Newhoff Media Podcast Network. For more, visit newhoffmedia.com.